For me, self-care is eating good quality, high quality food. And regenerative agriculture is one of the finest ways I've come across so far to arrive at that place. Are you wondering how you can learn more about food? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Chakula Podcast, brought to you by the Root to Food Initiative, a show that celebrates authentic Kenyan dishes and serves you hot conversations about food in Kenya from an economic, social, and political lens. Semanasi kwenye social media, at Root to Food on Instagram, at Root to Food on Twitter, and Root to Food on Facebook. And now, here's your host, Felistas Mwalia. Hello and welcome to the Chakula podcast. We have been having interesting chats around all matters of food. Today we will shift gears and talk about a positive development in our food realities called regenerative farming. I'll be speaking to Kainjeri via Zoom, a conservation enthusiast, regenerative farmer and food systems designer. Karibu sana Kai. Asante, Asante. It's good to be here talking about this. You had mentioned something on how you ensure you plant something everywhere you go to. Tell us more about who Kai is and what she does. Yes, I think of myself as a pollinator mm-hmm. <laughs> in many ways. And I love to leave living plants everywhere I go. So I think it's one of my favorite gifts to give, you know, a hub, seedling, a tree seedling, something um, everywhere I go. So... I am, like you said, I'm a regenerative farm and food systems designer. Mm-hmm. And in 2007, yeah, after the post-election violence, I was very, very unnerved by, you know, the, the how slowly we recovered. And we went to several IDP camps and just the state of things there. And it's not sustainable to wait for food to come from Lord knows where, you know. Yeah. You have no sense of the quality of the food. So I just kept wondering what what can be done? What is sustainable? You know, how do we recover from such tragedy quickly? And what is the relationship between thriving biodiversity and our capacity to provide ourselves with high quality nourishment? And so with that, over time, the answers have just started to come. I've had a chance to be part of several farms and study in different farms. One of them last year, two, for two months, I spent some time in um, on the big island in big island in Hawaii. You know, also studying this, and so it's just been like life just opened up all of these pathways for me. You know, to answer these questions, and so now I I do that. I plant seeds everywhere I go. And I offer this as a service, you know, um, to anyone who's wanting to work on their backyard, work on their balcony, work on their one acre, two acres, ten acres. I think I should should try that as well. (laughs) Perhaps, yeah, and perhaps you could tell us what regenerative means to you. So regenerative agriculture Mm -hmm. is approaching farming, approaching agriculture from an ecosystem perspective. So the awareness that 
the health of the soil highly determines the health of the food you produce from there. Mm-hmm. It highly determines the quality of water you're interacting with. It highly determines it highly determines everything. You know, the soil is what is holding up all of us. You know, this entire global ecosystem is based on the health of our soil. And so the regenerative there's a quote I had somewhere I don't even remember it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But it was something along the lines of the commercial farmer grows their crops and natural farmer grows the soil because they know that healthy soil inevitably means healthy plants and not just health in regards to quantity you know because i feel like that's the direction we've taken yeah yeah you know, for sure yeah we just want mash, you know big farms mashamba full of you know the size of you know maindi or the size of your forearm yeah. but then we're not thinking about mm-hmm. the quality of that maize it's totally about the you know the two the the inter- point of intersection of the two and the secret and all of our attention has to be on growing the soil the microbes in there the um, you know the the worms and the bugs and just making it a happy place what you trying to say is working with nature mhm and yes yeah is it yes. different from organic farming not necessarily so one because the regenerative farmer is by necessity an organic farmer and yet i have come across organic farmers that are almost primarily mono monoculture farmers who you know will grow one or two plants it will be you know the usual maize and beans still yeah. or tomatoes or you know and they're growing that organically the difference between that and the vaster perspective of the regenerative farmer mm-hmm. is that they are coming at this from an ecosystem perspective so they're looking at okay so we need the soil to be healthy that doesn't just mean getting the organic fertilizer you know let's look at companion planting let's look at gilding let's look at um composting let's look at the source of our water let's look at you know so it's a yeah. very it's a very dynamic space that the regenerative farmer exists in there's always several factors that are being considered and i think organic farming is one of the ways you know that we step into regenerative farming and yet regenerative farming is this huge umbrella so in your view how critical and beneficial are regenerative practices like minimal disturbance and composting to a farm's yields they are highly highly critical because they are huge they are part of what determines regenerative perspective you know um yeah. in the farming mm-hmm. agriculture field so for instance You look at the way that we till the land now and I'll give you a very simple example. Just walk out and find a bit of soil like a patch of land and just dig it with a castic. So the moment you dig soil, yeah, mm-hmm. just you with your hands. Yeah. Um if you're lucky enough and the soil is fertile enough, enough to have an earthworm or two, you is that the first thing the earthworm will t- try to do is bore its way back into the soil. Yeah. Um if that doesn't happen, then what happens is that it dies. And that's what happens um when we expose a lot of the microbes and the creatures living in the soil through tilling we kill them and so ideally we are touching the soil very little you know we're just playing with the top soil there is a huge movement right now on no till where mm-hmm. you just like you know sink the seed into the soil 
Composting is another one. Uh, one of the things that I do when I go into a space, like even in my own house, I have two waste buckets. One is for, you know, makaratasi and um, non-biodegradable yeah. stuff. And then the, all of my kitchen organic waste goes into one bucket and there's a bigger um, tank outside that um, I put all of that in. And I've already started harvesting like the organic waste juice and I use that on my, on my little garden. And and what that does is that it brings back the, the microbes, you know, into yeah. the soil. It recultures the soil and just increases the soil's fertility. So there's so many practices within regenerative agriculture mm-hmm. that we have lost over time that are highly critical to our soils, to, to our farm's yield. And again, it all goes back to the soil. The soil is healthy and happy. It's going to be um, beautiful yields. Kai, you mentioned you've mentioned something about the earthworms. What is the relationship between biodiversity and people's access to high-quality foods for now and the future? Yeah. So, biodiversity. I will come at this from the perspective of food forests mm-hmm. and start at. If you walk to, into a forest, you you notice, you know, there's no intending to, to forests. They're just naturally existing. And forests are the most fertile spaces on earth. And a huge part of what, why that is the case is because there's all of these layers of plants, you know, all of these canopies. There's so much activity going on in the soil. The, the, the top soil, the top layer of the soil is Thick. The ground in a forest is like layers and layers of different dead leaves, you know, and mm-hmm. all you need to do is lift it, kidogo, and there's all of these bugs scurrying about in there. And you look at the, the trees you have in a forest, even the tree that you planted in your own farm, find it in a forest, it's about three times, four times the size, you know, because it's a forest is highly biodiverse. All of the animals that come through the forest will have what they need to eat yeah. and then some, you know. Yeah. And so when, I, when I'm when um, i approaching farming space, I look at it from that perspective. How do we create the bridge between biodiversity and meeting our food needs? Because I realize that if um, our spaces are biodiverse, if we have the bugs in the soil, we, we have the, the chicken that will come in. What's it called? Pollinators. <laughs> I don't know Kuchakura in yeah. English. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to, trying to find the English word. Yeah, if you have the the one plant that's providing ground cover and the other one providing shade and the other one uh, dropping its leaves to mulch, you know, for to mile to the ground, mm-hmm. then it's a very rich space, you know, and each of these organisms, each of these creatures has their space within the ecosystem and therefore it thrives, you know, it's constantly regenerating. The death life cycle is very potent, you know, and therefore ensuring that there's a very rich sense of abundance and thrive in that space. Now imagine having farms that are based on, are, you know, are established based on such principles, then imagine the human being as one more animal, you know, eating from that farm. You're getting the best quality. There's no time you'll go into your farm and come out without food. Yeah. You know, so yeah. 
yeah. think because of diversity yeah. diversity on the farm as well yes totally and then the other thing is it's always going to be something different you're never going to just be coming out of maize or just coming out yeah. of beans mm-hmm. you know you look at a regenerative farmer's farm now farmer that's new, you know practicing like monoculture their plates are very different you know the regenerative farmer's plate looks like a rainbow and we're told <laughs> you know if you want to eat healthy it's it's the rainbow <laughs> you know it's going to be pumpkin today is going to be banana tomorrow yeah. is going to be something else and all of none of this you're buying you tended to the soil yourself and so there's also like a an energetic relationship with the farm yeah maybe you can go in depth and tell us the difference between regenerative farming and the current form of farming that we are currently practicing right now mm. yeah okay So what we have for the most part right now is monoculture. Mm-hmm. So you have um your typical maize and beans. You know that's like my best example. <laughs> <laughs> um you have a tract of land, you know, yeah. you go you buy a piece of land and then you have a tractor come through, do this heavy tilling and then you come through and pour your fertilizer or your pesticides or whatever mm-hmm. and then you plant um the seed that you bought that is chemical treated and then the rest of the time is spent you know worrying about this weed and the other and looking for more chemicals to apply on the land so that this weed does not you know quote and quote weed I, a few days ago i was watching something Mm. And I don't know his name perfectly well. He's called Gabe something. He practices regenerative farming and he was saying when he used to practice industrial farming, every day he used to wake up thinking of killing something in the farm and it was so devastating for him. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that is I I love the way you've put it. You know and I I, I like the way he put it. Yeah. That You know the modern farmer spends more time thinking of what they're going to be killing next than you know what, what he'll be getting be, um yeah than yeah. what they'll be giving you know resourcing life to oh, yeah <laughs> that's actually a better word you to know? use yeah and it's it's a pretty insane place to be coming from and and just tending to crops so and a huge difference between what we have now in you know like mainstream farming methods is that is that you know and yeah. like i said earlier with the books that i i shared the modern farmer uh, practicing you know industrial farming is for the most part focused on growing the crop the regenerative farmer is focused on growing the soil and then there's also all the chemical use and then one of the things that my all of my friends know mm-hmm. all of my friends they use the word weeds around me and they they look at me to see if i caught it because i tell them uh-huh. the word weed is a representation of human ignorance because there's not one single plant that is in itself a weed every plant has a, has its space in the ecosystem but because of our farming methods we consider some plants weeds and then some plants beneficial but the plants themselves are not weeds you find like uh, my family lives in tanga my mom and my my bro and my father yeah. they live in tanga and you go to the market and they're selling blackjack um, wow yes when i'm there i eat like these four veggies they'll be selling at the market that in kenya are getting pulled out of the ground you know because they're weeds there yeah. it's a vegetable So you see it's really even our idea on weeds is really it's really a show of our ignorance <laughs> <laughs> and 
And I feel like that's the difference between regenerative farming and, and let's say industrial farming or, you know, mainstream yeah. modern day farming. Where are you against industrial farming? What are the impacts of industrial farming? Ooh, we may have to like get another podcast <laughs> for this one. For, but I'll do just summarize it. Version. Yeah. <laughs> So one, all of the, the dependency on, on chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, two, like we said, it is more about killing, you know, than it is about um, resourcing life. Yeah. And then what it is doing is that because it's, it's creating addicts of the crops that are coming out of it. You know, we, we now have crops that cannot do well, cannot thrive without uh, this pesticide, this chemical, this fertilizer mm-hmm. that has to do what. Now, if you convert that to a human being, if a human being can only thrive, if they have this drug and that other drug and that other drug, that's what we call an addict. Yeah, actually. (laughs) If this is the food we're putting into our systems, if this is the food that is determining the, the, um, our cells capacity to generate life, then we are inevitably becoming addicts of something. You know, look at the cancer rates right now. Look at how many young people are suffering from diseases that our great grandparents in their 80s didn't suffer from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, look at how fast children's cancer wards are growing. You know, are, how much funding is going into that, into such spaces. And a lot of it comes back to the food, our interaction with our food. We are what we eat, you know. So yeah. that is my beef. <laughs> and it's big. <laughs> I have a huge bone to pick. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So how effective has regenerative farming been in its role of reversing the green concern across the world as regards to climate change? Um, I can speak for the potential because this is also a movement that's, you know, taking root. It's It's been there. It's been happening for a long, long time. But there's something about the current state of things in the world that's sort of like jolting people into you know, awareness of regenerative agriculture. And so I know in the next 10 years, we will have, you know, better numbers to work with. Right now, though, I know of deserts in India, you know, spaces that previously were deserts and because of regenerative agriculture, they're totally productive lands. And while I may not have like figures on, you know, what's happening around that, Mm I know that there is a there is great potential. I have been in spaces and watched them convert, you know, from monoculture or primarily, you know, two, three plants growing there into thriving food forests. Um, where I am right now, actually, as I'm talking, is mm-hmm. a space that when the the woman that founded this is called Tiriji Eco Center, when she got this land, when she started to steward it, it was complete rock, you know. Now you come here and it's a food forest. You wow. know, the, yeah. we, we get our food, we get the food we eat in the kitchen on a daily from the farm, you know. And so I can speak to the changes that I have seen that I've been part of. And I know as we continue to grow aware of this, then we're going to begin to see some real large-scale changes in the world. With the current pandemic, we are getting more cautious on the importance of food to boosting our immunity. What is the place of regenerative agriculture in individual and community health? I will start by saying this, and again, I'm, I I dropped history so fast because I'm terrible with names and dates and things, <laughs> um, but I remember the stuff, and I have a quote. <laughs> uh-huh. 
and it's it's I base a lot of what I do, you know, on that. You know, may your food let your food be your medicine and your medicine your food. And going back to what we just said about, you know, creating addicts. Now regenerative farming, regenerative agriculture flips that script. So if you are eating high quality um if you're putting building your body based on high quality nourishment then inevitably your visits to the doctor you know are way way less and one of the things that i've noticed like i've been i've gotten into this conversation with several um of my mama burgers mm-hmm. i go buy lemons and right now i can't find fully ripe juicy lemons almost anywhere because since covid everybody's taking ginger and lemon tea yeah. ginger lemon honey tea <laughs> dawa you know and yes. so <laughs> there's no lemon in the market there are no lemons in the market so what they're doing they're harvesting immature lemons <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they're harvesting a lot of immature lemons and bringing them to the market. So you try to do that rolling thing. Yeah. It's not what there's not there's no juice. <laughs> <laughs> and that shows you that we know, we know this thing somewhere in there we do know these things. And the way I see it when one part of the ecosystem is thriving, then it it has um it inevitably impacts, you know, the the its immediate ecosystem yeah. and that ripples out and continues to ripple out and continues to ripple out. Yeah. When one organism in the ecosystem is ailing, it affects those around it unless those around it are strong enough to return it back to its state of health. So when you look at it from that perspective, if I'm healthy, if I'm growing my 3 4 5 vegetables out here, and every time I come visit you for instance, I come with some ginger or I come with some like yummy good tomatoes. And you know, every time you want tomatoes, I'm the one you holler at. Then inevitably you see we've already started to to transact based on on health, based yeah. on medicine. And so my health my one step towards thrive uh, based on the food that i'm eating it is inevitably will affect the next person my loved one my my friend my family someone will be touched by my action and that is the power that you know um regenerative farming and really any idea has to impact the individual the first you know the the its place of origin yeah. and then the next person that, that that they interact with and now with with covid one mm-hmm. of the things that i happened because covid really served to expose the gaps in our food system you look at nairobi at the time that this broke loose i was i lived in limuru and where we were couldn't go into Nairobi there was a barricade and couldn't go past Limuru there was a barricade so in this weird middle section there and one of the things i observed mm-hmm. was food shortages in in the city you know because who's growing food in in the CBD who's growing food in Nairobi you know yeah. very few people if at all Nairobi depends on food from outside of Nairobi to thrive so you look at that and you realize in a situation such as this where these barricades where access is limited the people who are cut off from the farmlands are going to suffer but what if outside up with my balcony mm-hmm. i have you know a couple of plants i'm tending to that's where i get my vegetable from if i have amaranth and you have tomatoes and our next door neighbor has something else we can trade and share Yeah. you know and that increases our resilience i feel like covid just like tested resilience our systems are not resilient at all yeah. <laughs> you know yeah i was just reading something it was still on gabe he was saying mm-hmm. 
it's funny how we think farming with pesticides and fertilizers makes food more healthy but at the end of the day if you use more fertilizers trying to fix nitrogen in the soil you end up losing the benefits from the plants Yeah, I hear what you're saying and just to add something onto that. Mm-hmm. It's um it's one of the major downfalls I feel of um modern science, mod- the modern scientific method. The modern scientific method is highly reductionist. So, we identify this plant, we only want this one thing in it. But then what we don't realize is that nature doesn't work like that. Nature doesn't work in isolation. Yeah. You know, we can't isolate that one component and imagine that we have all of what you know comes with that yes it helps it's it's helped us get the, some of the medicine that we have some of the cutting edge medicine that we have but a lot of the times this one molecule its operation and capacity is highly dependent on this other molecule over here and this other molecule over here and it's the same thing with what you're saying that we are trying to isolate nitrogen you know and fix it as a chemical in the soil whereas we could kama ni mahindi unapanda grow beans grow you know if it's grow nitrogen fixing plants because yeah. with that you're probably going to get way more than just the nitrogen fixing you're probably probably actually even more nutritious food exactly yeah. you know you're yeah. also going to get ground cover so the soil is is healthier you're going to get um, a variety of mulching material So again the soil is healthier you know so I I I see what you're saying and I agree <laughs> <laughs> How has the profit motive shaped regenerative farming and as a kind of farming provider financially viable means of earning an income Yes I get this question quite a lot actually so I'm glad that um you've thrown it in here and So one of the things that I say about regenerative farming is it invites us into a mind shift around commerce around you know agro business and with this the first invitation is as the farmer shiba kwanza you and yours shiba kwanza <laughs> I like <And> that then, <laughs> you know <laughs> cuz how many farmers do you know seriously How many farmers do you know this I've come across this idea of the starving farmer of the hungry farmer and it's 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 obscene because the your typical farmer is planting maize and beans to sell so that they can get money to go buy vegetables to go buy food do you see how it's that's warped yeah. you know mm-hmm. but if we have a variety of food coming from my farm and i have some five pumpkin plants 10 okra plants i have you know 15 bean plants i have x amount of nini 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 my family only needs one pumpkin plant to sub- to supply our family's need um only needs three okra plants so everything else is going to be surplus but by the time we're getting to surplus tumekula tumeshiba yeah. then now let's trade the surplus how i you wish know, everyone where, had i don't know I wish everyone had that <laughs> motive shiba kwanza alafu fikiria mm. kuza baadaye yeah cuz even the price at which you're going to be selling things is going to be very different i mean you you hear of how much farmers are selling their food for and it's it's really obscene you know any yendo me hustle nendo me kwa shamba anaamka amechapa nini and then you look at the prices that they are produce is getting bottled and it's it's really really you know there's such a deep sense of injustice yeah and come at this okay i'm about to go crazy here like this has avocados uh-huh. <laughs> they're being bought from the farmer maximum 10 bob you know zikifika yeah. state or maybe you're buying three to small avocados two three of those to has avocados at five dollars 
punch. Why? You know, our food systems are quite warped right now. You know, and at the end of the day, the farmer is the one who suffers the most. So, what if the farmer decided, We want the best quality nourishment. You know? I grew this, I tended to these plants. This is good quality pumpkin you're getting. Ongeze your 20 bob. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, Maze hauta hauta ogopa kuongeza twenty bob next time because yeah. you actually realize that in that pumpkin and the one you bought in the market from Lord knows who Lord knows where you know yeah. so there's a sense of pride as well you know that that returns to the farmer who is is you know the regenerative farmer that I feel like farmers have lost over time you know ukulima is this thing that mtu ambwa somo sikuwe mukulima I know gosh. <laughs> So, who is feeding us? Where are we getting our food? <laughs> we need to <laughs> empower our farmers. Yes. <laughs> that's my perspective on mass around farming. And that's on a, you know, from small scale to like medium scale. Large scale, it's still the same idea. Mm-hmm. You know, feed you and yours. And then on larger tracts of land. So I've had several people come to me and they're like, okay, I have 10 acres. Usually me, I grow this one or two crops. Um, your idea, I really like the sound of it. I like the philosophy of it, but it sounds really out there, you know. And I tell them, do this. Don't convert the entire farm. Start with taking out an acre, you know. Start with an acre, start with half an acre and just put these ideas into practice. Let's work together to, make, to put this into practice. Let's see what you think. Let's look at the soil health. Let's look at the quality of the plants coming out of there. If what you plant is, um, if what you grow is, if what you cultivate rather is maize, let's plant some maize on this piece of land as well. See what the difference is between these two crops, you know. Yeah. Then... Let's see, you know, what we do. If you want to expand to two acres, expand to three acres, expand evo, 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 you know. So I say start, experiment. At the very least, allow ourselves to experiment. Thank you so much for your insights. Any last words from you as we end the show? I just established uh, an entity around the, the to, to hold up the work that I do and it's called Kairetu's Edible Forests. Mm-hmm. And the tagline is, it's a love language. And the way I see it, it truly is a love language, how we tend to ourselves um, in regards to the ways that we nourish our bodies, how that contributes to our mental health, how that contributes to our reproductive health, how that contributes to the health of the environment within which we exist, how that contributes to the global ecosystem. And for me, self-care is eating good quality, high quality food. And regenerative agriculture is one of the finest ways I've come across so far to arrive at that place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your insights, Sky. I've actually learned so much. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I hope you tune in again next week for more exciting conversations around food. Follow us on SoundCloud, like, share, and leave us a comment. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, also rate and review. If you have any questions, write to us on info at truetofood.org. Thank you. Bye-bye.